I think I'd like to start, if we can, by um, just closing our eyes and hearing this little poem. Poems are the dreams of our hearts. Poems seek out our emotions and grow into our hearts using language. They're like roots seeking nourishment from the soil. When our ears hear poetry, our hearts are free to dream. We're going to study a, a psalm this morning, but a psalm is, is just a poem. And a poem expresses the human condition in a way that, that the words cannot. Here's an example. I'm feeling sad. That's not a poem. I'm feeling very sad. That's still not poetry. But have a listen, read the words from Jeremiah chapter 4. And this is verse 19, expressing sadness. Oh, my anguish, my anguish, I writhe in pain. Oh, the agony of my heart. My heart pounds within me. I cannot keep silent. And it goes on. That's a poem. And that poetry speaks to us in a different way than just mere words. And on this Remembrance Sunday, we remember the lives given in service to our country, those who have died in wars that have been fought, and many lives lost, bodies and minds broken, those who fight, and the civilians around that fighting area, the population is traumatized by what they've seen and heard and felt. You may know this poem. They went with songs to the battle. They were young, straight of limb, true of eye, steady and aglow. They were staunch to the end against odds uncounted and they fell with their faces to the foe. And where, where is God? Where is God in wars? Where was God in the trenches of the First World War? Where is God today in Luhansk, Mariupol, Donetsk, in Gaza, in Khan Yunis, in Gaza? Where was God at the Supernova Festival in Raim in Israel. God is in the hearts of his people. God was in the heart of poet John McRae, who in May 1915, 1915, near the beginning of the First World War, wrote the poem, In Flanders Field. John McRae had just 
presided over the funeral of his friend, Alexis Helmer, who died in the Second Battle of Ypres. And Ypres seems distant. Ypres seems like a long time ago. Ypres in Belgium is 70 miles from Dover. Ypres was the setting of one of the first chemical weapon attacks of mankind. Gas. Gas, boys, quick. An ecstasy of fumbling, fitting the clumsy helmets just in time. But someone still was yelling out and stumbling and floundering like a man in fire or lime. Dim through the misty panes and thick green light, as under a green sea, I saw him drowning. Death by gas was a hideous, hideous death. Despicable wickedness stalked the nations. God's very good creation was blasted and wasted and torn apart. Yet the poppies bloomed. Let me read a few uh, stanzas from In Flanders Field. In Flanders fields the poppies blow Between the crosses row on row That mark our place And in the sky the larks Still bravely singing Fly, scarce heard Amid the guns below We are the dead Short days ago we lived, felt dawn and saw sunset glow, loved and were loved. And now we lie in Flanders Field. Poetry reaches in and does things that words cannot do. Our Bible poem today is Psalm 62. Many of the Psalms in the Bible attributed to King David uh, you can read about his life in um, 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel. David was born a thousand years before Christ. So this poem, this psalm that we're going to look at today, is 3,000 years old. If you remember your school history lessons, that places this poem firmly in the Iron Age Mud huts, you know, subsistence farming. So this poem, this fabulous poem, this psalm, dates from way, way, way back and still speaks into us today. Poetry is a form of writing that's not supposed to make literal sense to us, but expresses the very essence of our hearts. And whilst we say that the Bible is God's word and God speaking to us, one commentary I read on this psalm during the week tells us that this psalm is God speaking for us. The human emotions that we struggle to express, the human condition that is 
just can't be expressed by words, can be expressed in a poem, in a psalm, and the psalms express God's love for us and puts that human condition in the context of God. This is a psalm that I've turned to frequently in the last few weeks. Our church community's been rocked. But God remains firm. God remains our refuge. The first two verses I'm just about to read help me to declare that I can withstand the challenges of the world. And my brother Keith encouraged me by praying the last two verses of this psalm to me uh, when I was speaking to him about Agar's death. This psalm's infiltrated my heart. Poetry in the psalm speak when I cannot speak. The opening verses show us this Hebrew style of poetry with not a rhyming kind of phrase, but a rhyming idea. Some of the beauty of the Psalms is that the images are always expressed two times. So um, let's just read the, uh, the first uh, couple of verses. My soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress and I shall never be shaken. You see that kind of repeated idea, that echoing of the idea. My soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I shall never be shaken. No, no rhyming, but we see rock and Fortress, two ideas that express the same thing. King David has fled to the mountaintop. He's there in a place of relative safety, but his son, Absalom, is rebelling against him and has raised an army. And if you look in uh, 2 Samuel 15 to 17, you find this kind of massing of the armies to have a showdown. King David has been rebelled against by his own son. But just like the mountaintop is a place of safety for David, David expresses that God is his place of safety. Down in the valley, crops may fail, rivers may flood, Nation can rise against nation. The lamb can be lost. But on the mountain, in the place of safety, God's refuge for David. All is well. I can find safety. My soul finds rest in God in that place. And I find when my heart breaks, when I get news that I can't process or can't handle in any devastating news I turn to this psalm and this opening declaration my soul finds rest in God alone I shall never be shaken 
just speaks to me about God's place in the world, how he is in control, and how he leads us. We have this wonderful idea rhyme in the next few verses. Um, And David is comparing the strength, the position, the fortress of God against himself as a leaning wall or a tottering fence. Again, there's that Hebrew poetry of two ways of expressing the same thing. David says that he's under attack by uh, uh, these people who want to throw him down. And he's like a leaning wall or a tottering fence. But God remains firm. How long will you assault a man, he says of the people out there. Would all of you throw him, me, down? This leaning wall, this tottering fence. They fully intend to topple him from his lofty place. King David is going to be toppled by Absalom, his son. They take delight in lies. With their mouths they bless, but in their hearts they curse. David is reeling against the hypocrisy of his nation and his son and those who are rising up against him. You know, in today's world, nothing ever goes smoothly. Nations rise against nation. The weather comes and devastates us. God's plan is never to kind of, you know, make that all smooth until his kingdom comes. But until then, we can take strength and courage and confidence that God is still there and still with us. If we move on into verse 5, this sounds like a chorus. It kind of echoes what we heard in the first couple of verses. Let me read 5 to 8. Find rest. O my soul, in God alone, my hope comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I shall not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your hearts to him. For God is our refuge. If you look carefully, maybe you can do this as homework during the week. There's a slight difference in tone, in emphasis, in the verbs between these two um, very similar passages. The first one is a declaration. My soul finds rest in God alone. These verses 5 to 8 are more about instructional, about how should I face this situation that's developing. Because, you know, we can declare, I have faith in God. But when the rubber hits the road, when that email lands in your inbox tomorrow morning, when that grenade lands in your trench, it's very difficult to say, my trust is in God. And we need to implore ourselves and instruct ourselves oh find rest oh my soul in God alone it's not I found I find rest in God alone it's I need to find rest in God alone I need to seek him 
I think it's clear, isn't it, in verse 8, when David is speaking out to the people. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. The God who we declare is our refuge is an attentive God. He hears our prayers and we can pour out our hearts to him in all circumstances. I think that's a practical reminder for us that when the news hits us and when we feel low and when we feel unable to deal with the situation, pour out our hearts to him. I won't dwell because of time on the verses 9 to verse 10. Um, but this is David railing against hypocrisy and against um, people with no humility. He describes people, low-born men and high-born, as but a breath of wind. In God's balance, they are like nothing. God is eternal. God is eternal, and he is the one that judges. He is the one that weighs us. And we should, whatever our position, we should be humble as we approach him. And so this is Remembrance Sunday. We remember the fallen. And of course our hearts break, don't they, when we see the news and the media of the ongoing conflicts and suffering. And as remembering, we remember the tragic death of one of our members. And there have been other deaths in our community. And we pray for the the health of our fellowship and the needs in our fellowship. Steve spoke about Rebecca earlier on. There are others. And particularly I remember those from our church family who have moved on to new churches or not come back as the COVID kind of crisis came to an end or have fallen away from us. And so we can ask, where is God? Where is God? Psalm 62 reminds us that God is in control, God is strong, and God is loving. The Lord is loving. This is what Keith prayed to me on a phone call after I told him about Agar. You, O God, are strong, and you, Lord, are loving. So I think when we wonder where is God, we can see God in the beauty of the poppies. Sorry, Paula, I put you on the spot there. In the beauty of the poppies. God's spirit moves abroad and his breath moves through the field of poppies and we see the poppies blow. And we're reminded of the Spirit of God. God is here in the heart of his people. And we see him at work through the generous gifts of giving and of sacrificial time. 
and of our fellowship coming together to serve and support one another. God is at work and present here on a Friday morning through the work of Replenish and those young mums and their children hearing more about the good news. God is at work even through Rachel's cold through Youth Cafe as those young people come in and they enjoy themselves in this building and see Jesus Christ is Lord. God is at work in Exeter University. Emma shared this with me this morning. Uh, It's just a message from her son, Joel. They had an evangelism event yesterday. Tonight was a huge success. Six non-Christian teammates came to share food and hear the gospel, which is genuinely so awesome. The evening was non-stop joy and fun. The place was buzzing, he said. Overwhelmingly positive feedback, so all glory, thanks and praise to God. And thank you for lifting us up in prayer with love from Joel. God is at work. We may not see him at work, but God is at work. I know, as I've been told, God was at work yesterday in the Alpha Holy Spirit Day And he moved powerfully amongst those who were there. We can, should, will take refuge in God. And and seeking refuge doesn't mean that the, the slings and the arrows and the emails and the grenades and the bad message are taken away. No, If you've ever taken shelter from the wind on the top of a mountain with Andy Howe, and I have, we're still on the top of a mountain in a gale, but that rock is sheltering us from the weather. At some point, we still have to go out into that weather, but for a period of time, we can take our refuge. God is our refuge. Jesus told us that nations will rise against nations and wars and famines will occur. But even through that, and through what we've learned from this psalm, we can take refuge in our God. He is our rock, our fortress, our strong tower. And didn't we sing that at the beginning of the service? Tambourine, rattle. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. So let me leave you with this. Here's a little poem. Let it seek into your hearts. One thing God has spoken, two things have I heard. That you, O God, are strong and that you, O Lord, are loving. Surely you will reward each person according to what he has done. Let's pray. Father God, let us turn to you. Let us seek you in all times. And when we say, where is God? 
Let us see you. Let us see you at work. And let us remember your eternal love for us. Father God, thank you. Thank you that you stepped down as Jesus Christ amongst us. And your son did not turn against you, but willingly went to the cross to bear our sins and to bring us back into relationship with you. Father God, Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit, we thank you for your sacrifice for us. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.